If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Or, at least, get some distance between you and that molten underwater volcano. But there's one animal that can not only take the heat, it needs it to survive. The tube worm is a weird looking matchstick at the bottom of the ocean, and it's just dying for some of those sweet, sweet thermal vents. But that's just how it works, as an extremophile in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's just, it's 30 minutes of interesting animal info that belongs to you. We're not hoarding it. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. I'm also happy to share in the 30 minutes. Good. Uh, And today we are getting deep with an animal that looks like Mick Jagger trying to kiss you in a turtleneck. Aw, it's gross. (laughs) He's wearing the turtleneck, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Last night I saw an elephant in my pajamas. What he was doing in my pajamas, I'll never know. Yes, the the fun we have. That's the best joke I've ever heard. The fun we have with the ambig- ambiguousness. What's that called? Ambiguity? No, I thought it was a term when, like, a sentence... Oh, semantic. Oh, no, yeah. it's syntactic ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. That's fun for people to know. Yeah, now you know it. On life, death, and taxonomy. Instead of just me and you knowing it. <laughs> so what are we doing? What 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 animal are we doing? Imagine somebody just, like, closed their eyes, opened up life, death, and taxonomy's uh, episode feed, and uh-huh. then just, just pressed... Yeah. And landed on this episode. What animal would they, should they expect to hear about? Well, it's giant. Ooh. It's tubular. And it's a worm. It's the giant tube worm. Cool beans. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to rip off tubular, but whatever. <laughs> All right. I, I, just, I just like played through that entire Stranger Things 2 episode where they learned the word tubular. And then Dustin's just going around going, tubular. 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 <laughs> All right, I don't remember that. I I should watch that season again. It's good. Uh, oh, uh, the giant tube worm is known as to me Matchstick Twenty. Okay, the bloody Q-tip. Oh, oh, <laughs> and the out of style extremophile. It's good. All three are are solid. <laughs> the bloody Q-tip is my least favorite one. But it got yeah, it got me. It got me. <laughs> I forgot to I forgot to do um, nicknames last time. I got to that's got to be my segment. Okay. <laughs> All right, kingdom. Now, by looking at it, you might not expect, but it is in the kingdom Animalia. It does a lot of plant things, plant-like things. Yeah, plantish. Mm-hmm. Um, phylum, and we're getting into uncharted territory. 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 <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, because it's not Chordata. For the first time in a while, it's not Chordata. Analida? Do you an- concur? An- Analida? An- Analida? That's also known as segmented worms. Okay, so everything from your earthworm to uh, to this yeah. guy. or um, Class? Polycata? Bristle worms. Nice. <laughs> I got <it>. Bristle worms. <laughs> they tickle you. I got one for most of these. Okay. Order? Here we go. This is what we train for. Canalip... No, I didn't train at all. No, yeah, I, I can't imagine you did. Canalipalpata. 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 Canolipalpata. Yeah. I mean, these seem really phonetic, but there's just they're so long, and they have so many unfamiliar syllables that I'm just... You get lost in the You weeds. just need to know when to put the accent. Yeah. Uh, and Canalipalpata... Can, Canalipalpata. It's a is, wonderful phrase. It's 
fanhead worms. Remember in Avatar when he touches that like plant and it sucks down? Yeah. And he turns into a two-year-old pressing all these things and no, he's a trained but... marine? Okay. That's uh, fanhead worms look like that. Okay. Do they usually live above ground? No, but that's uh, like an uncharted planet. Safe so. sci-fi nonsense. Pandora will chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. And it's... eat your eyes for jujubes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. So <laughs> well, I don't think you should. <laughs> Family. Sibog Lin Ide. Sibog Lin Ide. Yeah, Sibog Lin Ide. There we go. Sibog Lin Ide. There we go. All uh, right. Beard worms. Okay, so these are getting. This is getting scragglier and scragglier. <laughs> it went from bristle to fan head to beard. Yeah, okay, uh, genus Rifta, Riftia. I don't have one for this. Um, <laughs> Pacific rim worms, which works perfectly <laughs> because these guys live in the Pacific Rim. Yeah, um, species. Uh, so it is Riftia. Pachyptilla. Elephant worms. I made that up too, because it looks like pachyderm. Okay. <laughs> okay. The the last two I made up, but everything else makes sense. Or was, I did not make up. Even the last one makes sense. It made sense. Um, so, Riftia pachyptilla. Pachyptilla. Hard, hard couple of things. Uh, a lot of syllables. A lot of... A lot of segments. A lot of, lot of consonants together. Mm-hmm. A lot of segments in this worm. Uh, you, you ready for some habitat? I'm going to talk about the habitat a little bit. We hinted at it just a second ago. Yes, we Pacific did. Pacific Rim. It lives in the Pacific Ocean, along the ocean floor, in what is called an abyssal zone. Sounds so you, bad. It sounds scary. Sounds like a place in D&D. &D. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it is, uh, almost. Um, the abyss. So, the... The ocean is broken up into zones, like the tidal zone, the intertidal zone, other things. I feel like the tidal zone would be the, my zone. Yeah. Probably closest to the surface, right? Near this. The intertidal zone is like things that are above water when the tide is down and below water when the tide is up. So like mussels that are stuck to yeah. a pier or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and like crabs that live in mangroves. Intertidal. So they live in the abyssal zone, which is the deep zone. And they can live uh, at up to or at down to uh, 3,000 meters <laughs> or 9,842 feet. That's a lot of feet. It is. It's very... Eh, I forgot how if that is more or deep. less feet than where the, uh, the anglerfish lives. I think it's less. The anglerfish lives in the Atlantic Ocean, um, kind of up up north Atlantic Ocean. Well, like, as, as far as depth. I think it was, like... No, I mean, and it's deeper in the Atlantic Ocean. Is it deeper? I'm pretty sure. I thought the Mariana Trench was the deepest place in the world, and that's in the Pacific Ocean. Is it? But there may not be two worms in... That may be, like, super abyss or something like that. I guess. So, I thought... Well, although we'll you guys can look that up. We'll talk about the fact that the... You, you can't go much deeper than where these worms are, you know, because there's lava. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so in the in the in the Pacific Ocean, you've got the the plates going apart, mm -hmm. and it's filling with lava. 
and the other one they're pushing together and one is and usually when things push together either both go down or up one goes down and one goes up mm-hmm. so I, I i just imagine that there would be like a deep crevasse of where it's being pushed down but also where they're yeah sure yeah um well uh, uh, topic for another time because I'm about to tell you about black smokers, and I don't mean Will Smith at the end of Independence Day when he shares that stogie. <laughs> my, my reference to that is Richard Ayoade from IT Crowd when he gets fed up with his fake wife and starts to smoke. <laughs> I call bla- the black smokers that they live next to Richard for the rest of my notes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I, I guess I should have been thinking about Will Smith. Okay. Um... So, a black smoker, they collect near them, um, and they're hydrothermal vents, which is a fissure on the ocean floor that spews dark-colored chemicals like sulfur. It's important. More on that later, don't forget. It's important that it spews sulfur. Yes. Uh, Let's get into what they look like. They live in firm tubes, and I looked up what these tubes were made of, and I could not find anything. Did you? I did. What are they? They're made of something that we're going to have to rectify from the older episode because it's not... Chitin. Sh- it's not chitin. It's chitin. <laughs> Take a look right here. <laughs> chitin? I guessed Question it. mark? I guessed it. I was like, I'm not, if you didn't know, I was going to say it's probably chitin. Yeah. It's chitin. And I even put the word kite, K-I-T-E, yeah. dash I-N, so that I would know how to pronounce it. But yeah, it's a white exterior that they secrete. So it's kind of like a shell that a crab would have. Sweet. I knew it. I knew I should have been confident. Yeah, yeah you should have been. <laughs> I should have just confirmed. <laughs> I just couldn't find it. I found it on National Geographic. Nat okay. Geo. So, from these white chitin tubes emerges a red plume, um, which is the body of the beast. What's well, the plume of the beast? The plume of the beast. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not the entire body. The rest of it lives on, inside the in tube. the tube. Um, ah, so. The red, it's red because it's highly vascularized, which means it's blood red, literally. That is, that you're looking at, it's blood. Yeah. They have no mouth, gut, or anus, like your typical earthworm does. Mm-hmm. And most, Which is all an earthworm is. Yeah. It's, a, it's basically an intestine. Yeah. So that's what most worms' situation is. Mm-hmm. But not these guys. Like other worms, like some other worms, they have a trophosome trophosome. instead of a gut. But more on that later. Yep. And now we've come to the inevitable. The part of the description that becomes its own segment. And it's not a gut. And it's not a head. It's not an anus. (laughs) An (laughs) anus. It's... Oh, it's unacceptable. The listener's favorite part of the show. Say it with me now. Measure up! You weren't going to do it. I wasn't going to. I was waiting for you. (laughs) I'm going to mouth it, and you're going to have to say it all by yourself next time. Not Uh, next time. You won't see it coming. (laughs) So here we go. In this new season, season three, here's how it works. I'm going to give you a comparison, and you're going to tell me how many of the animal go into something else, or vice versa. All right. And... I'm so bad at this game. Let's start with height. Well, although I you've think, gotten pretty close. I think a couple last time times. I was pretty close. Yeah, 
And then with the with the Paku fish and the withers of a of a Shetland pony, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, height. Let's start with height. They are two point four meters or seven feet ten inches. So it's a tall worm. Yeah. And it's pretty much grows straight up. So that's, uh, standing next to it, it'd be taller than you. It's a little bit taller than Shaquille O'Neal. I'll keep that in mind. Okay. How many Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> How many Shirley Temples go into a tube worm? Now, are we talking about the beverage? <laughs> no. Or are we talking about America's Sweetheart? We are talking about America's Sweetheart. But here's the, here's the catch. As an adult... Oh, for adult height. That is not fair. Oh, you just made this up. <laughs> what do you mean? It could have been any adult, but you chose Shirley Temple? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I have her exact height. Really? Yeah. I have no idea. She's not still alive anymore. Is she? No. No? So at what point? Because you get smaller as you get older. So just at her, at her full height? Yeah. If you typed in Shirley Temple height into Google, what would be the little snippet that they show you i feel like it would be whatever she was at the height of her career not the height of her inches well she was a she was a diplomat she was like an ambassador really yeah i know very little about shirley temple (laughs) all right i'm gonna say one and a half nailed it you nailed it (laughs) you pulled it out again what else could it be two (laughs) she she would have to be three and a half feet tall no the correct answer the real correct answer is it's one adult and one child one one adult Shirley Temple and one child with, Shirley Temple with one child one singing animal crackers in her soup on top of her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So let's move on to another thing, another measurement, and we're not going to go with weight because who knows how much those things weigh because they're anchored to the sea floor. We're going with diameter. The diameter is four centimeters or one point six inches. Okay. How many tube worm diameters go into the diameter of Earth? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> I can't even estimate that. The diameter? Yeah. Of Earth? Yeah. So, like, from Beijing to Houston. <laughs> oh, to Beijing to Beijing. No, that's the circumference. Oh, yeah. You're diameter right. goes directly through. Directly the through. You're right. Earth. You're right. Sorry. Um... So yeah, I I could have I would have been closer with the circumference because I used to know that number. That's true. But I don't know what's the radius. How far away is the core of the Earth, and then pi r squared or whatever the <laughs> heck I have to do to make that happen? Just the, how thick with two C's is the Earth? I'm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna say, oh gosh, seventy-eight million. I'm so off. Okay, so. 78 million what? The is... diameters of the... Oh, so you're saying 78 I'm million. I'm so off. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it to, to 250 million. Okay. 250 million tube worm diameters. Yes. To... Okay. So if you put... That's close. If you put 250 million tube worms next to each other, like stack them... Yeah. And starting at Beijing, you would end up... Which I, I'm just assuming that Houston's on the other side of Beijing. And you would end up in Houston... The correct answer is three hundred and thirteen million. Okay, five hundred and thirty-three. <laughs> I thought 000. you were going to say billion. <laughs> I mean, you're like, I'm, you're right. I was closer. <laughs> that that was better. That yeah, was better. that was a solid guess. That's all I got for measure up. 
before we get into the the nitty gritty, um, let's talk about reproduction really fast. Ooh, this should we PSA or should we just let no, it? No, this is surprisingly un not not very sensual. Not very sensual. <laughs> this would be this would not be rated PG thirteen for sensuality. You, you do not have to put on romantic jams for this process. Uh, they reproduce uh, to reproduce. They form free floating larvae, and 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 just send them off to college. Uh, <laughs> Two worm college. Yeah. So the larvae have little cilia that they use to get around. Uh huh. Little hairs things. Little hairs that it's like flagellum, mm-hmm. but it's it's multiple. Flagellum is just one. Usually. That's a nice word. Uh, they attach to the ocean floor and become sessile. Stationary? No, when they go off to college, they're like, listen, <laughs> changing my, new, uh, na- my name, I want to be more sophisticated, so call me Cecil from now on. <laughs> Cecil. Um, oh, man. That's what you name a English bulldog. <laughs> good name for an English bulldog. So sessile means they don't move. It's a thing in Senile biology. also means they don't move. They don't move mentally. <laughs> um, in a juvenile stage, they have a mouth, a gut, and an anus um, until they grow up, and it turns into the trophosome. Can we ward off having to call this podcast explicit if we say anus? <laughs> I think so. I'll do it. Yeah, your turn. It's your turn. It's my turn. It's time for major facts. It is time for major facts. All right. Well, you mentioned it a second ago that, but you, two worms don't eat. Mm-hmm. There's a fact to the podcast. So if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say they don't eat. I said they didn't have a gut. Yeah, they don't have a gut or a mouth. Um, well, di- they don't have a digestive tract. Uh, so, but other an- but other worms do technically quote unquote eat with a trophosome. These these guys don't. These don't. Eat. These guys are special. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, as we mentioned, these guys are extremophiles. They like snowboarding, flavor-blasted goldfish, <laughs> and they lean pretty hard on both sides of the political spectrum. <laughs> At the same time? Yup. That they're, is extreme. They're androgynous, so they can be <laughs> they, they, they can be both sexes and they can be they can be both conservative and liberal. <laughs> Depending on how much sulfide is in the water. Sulfide? Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds like a, a music genre. Sulfide? Really? Or that sounds like what... Uh, sulfide just sounds like a, a chemical that you find in Mountain Dew. That like, sounds like what Barry White would do if you brought him onto your track. He sulfified it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who Barry White is. He's, a, he's the deep-voiced he's romantic related... soul singer. Oh, yep. I know yeah, that guy. Good enough for your love, Barry. Yeah, yeah. I was like... Because I mentioned snowboarding, so I immediately thought of Sean White. <laughs> <laughs> Very different people. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, the tube worm, the giant tube worm, there are a lot of different tube worms, but we're specifically talking about the giant one. Uh-huh. Um, they not only like these extreme condi- conditions of living next to black smokers like Will Smith, they depend on them to survive. Yeah, so if you remember from the Water Bear episode, they weren't extremophiles, even though they could handle extreme temperatures and situa- pressures. Yeah. They didn't like it. They weren't. They weren't down. They rated it low on Yelp. Yeah. Um, these <laughs> one, guys. One outer space. One star <laughs> would not be shot out there again. And I could not get the waiter's attention. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
parched <laughs> the whole 10 days I, I was out there. I had one water droplet that I had to hug forever. <laughs> I told him to put cheese on my uh, pasta fajoule, and he only put in like a couple of shreds and then walked away. I didn't say when. <laughs> I'm a small guy, but I like a lot of cheese. They say unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> But he only came by twice. Which is incredible. Because <laughs> it was space. It, it was space. <laughs> anyway, um, so like we said, they live near black smokers, and um, but which are hydrothermal vents. There are white smokers and um, black smokers. And specifically the black smokers, they shoot out this m- mostly sulfides, but also like carbon dioxide. And it's like, it's just bad toxic stuff. Stuff that um, you wouldn't want in your mouth. Right. It's created Good by... Good thing you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Worm. Um, it's created by water that's underneath the Earth's crust. And then when that crust like moves apart from the tectonic plates, the lava-heated water shoots up and you have yourself a thermal vent. Superheated. Superheated, yes. Very hot. I didn't find out how hot. Probably should have. Because that would have been a good measure up there. Definitely boiling. It's. It, I, I read near bo- boiling. Really? But, but that seems so unimpressive to the fact that, like, the mantis shrimp creates, like, uh, a cavity, a cavitation bubble that's, like, hotter than the sun. Well, it, so is lightning. <clears throat> lightning bolts are hotter than the sun. It's just stuff that burns out quickly sure, can be yeah. hotter. So, yeah, this stuff is near boiling. It's so, it's touching cold water. That's the whole point. It's, yeah, at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. As bottom as it gets. Um, so these sulfides and all of this bad stuff released in a black black smoke cloud and so now it's it's time to get chemical chemical (laughs) time to get chemical chemical this is chemistry so there is a lot of hydrogen sulfide um in the water around these vents because it it releases thanks to will smith um Uh and his stogies (laughs) Also, there's no sunlight. So the the sunlight usually um, and the plant life that's up there in the upper regions of the ocean. The, um, ten, the, the like the intertidal zone, you'd say. Right, yeah, or the tidal zone. Uh-huh. Or um, the shelf or whatever it's called. Yeah, whatever, the continental shelf. <laughs> um, the Through photosynthesis and stuff, there is uh, dissolved oxygen in the water around plant life up there. Um, and that makes it down to the bottom, but in like sparse um, situations. So it's there's not a lot to go on at the bottom of the ocean next to what essentially amounts to an active volcano. So how do these worms live? What do they eat without a mouth? Cheeseburgers. Is that incorrect? Oh, just dissolved cheeseburgers. <laughs> you blended. So of course. When next time you get a cheeseburger, throw it in the ocean. Pour one out for a tube worm. <laughs> So these, these guys need sulfides to survive, and this Same. is how they do it. You talked about them having a trophosome, which is... I've brought with us a visual representation. For you and me. For for you and me, but I'll crinkle the paper so that the listener can enjoy it. Oh! You printed it out! I did print it out. Look at this. Yeah. So here, here I'm going to teach it to you. Just we, be very descriptive. Here we have the tube worm. We have this white uh, chitin stalk. With uh-huh. the red plume coming out. Basically, it looks like two feathers. Okay. Um, and inside the white stalk is mostly the trophosome. Right. 
And then the bottom part here that's attached, anchored, anchored to the ground is the rest of the worm. But mostly, this thing is bacteria. So, trophosome is where the bacteria lives. It's right. this, it's a, so, there's this symbiotic relationship that the tube worm has with these bacteria. And we've talked about symbiotic relationships before, um, especially with, like, the ants and the fungus and stuff like that. Let me ask you this. Okay. Unless, unless I'm spoiling how, if it has no mouth, how does the bacteria get inside? It grows from inside. What? And it can also get in there. <laughs> so I heard that there was several different... No, I mean inside its body. Okay, tell us how it gets in there. So I've, I, there's two theories. One of them has been debunked, I think. So when it is young... And this could be... I, I, I wasn't sure if this was totally false. So their first theory was that when it, it's young... I mentioned that it had a mouth and a gut and an anus. Mm -hmm. So the theory was that the bacteria got inside when it was young, and as it grew, it just, the bacteria grew. Mitosis. Um, yeah. But they have since discovered that they can also absorb the bacteria through their skin. Through their chitin or through their plumes? I assume that it's through, the, if it gets inside. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I I can't imagine it getting through the chitin, but maybe it looks like it could just swim down in there through the open part next to the plume. Yeah. So just like everybody, just picture a straw with a little feather coming out of it. That's, yeah. That's essentially what we're looking at here. It's like a it's like a pipe and a pipe cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. So these plumes wave around in the ocean around this uh, hydrogen sulfide, and they collect. The molecules needed. Uh, so, the molecules are something like... It, it, they take the oxygen that's been dissolved from up top um, that I talked about earlier, the hydrogen sulfide, and sometimes also carbon dioxide. They take these chemicals, and it's absorbed into their bloodstream because, like you said, highly vascularized, bloody plume we're working with here. And um, it goes into their bloodstream, through their heart, and into the trophosome, which is this giant tube of a tube worm <laughs> it looks to be like i mentioned earlier but that's like 60 something percent of the worm is this is this big organ that holds bacteria right um and then the the bacteria inside the trophosome consume these chemicals for nourishment so they eat hydrogen sulfide and carbon dioxide and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then they produce amino acids which they what I read injects directly into the worm. So okay. the sulfides go into through the plume. Yeah. The it goes into the bloodstream, to the trophosome, to the bacteria. The bacteria eat it, they poop, poop out. out amino acids yep. and give it to the worm, and the worm continues to wave its plume around. So like it like it's better than everyone else. So why eat when you can just have little little boys and girls come in and eat for you? Because none of that tastes very good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like amino acids are like little cheeseburgers. If you could just eat amino acids. That's that's as practical as it gets at the bottom of the ocean. An amino acid is just a small cheeseburger. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the tiniest of cheeseburgers. It's just a cheeseburger's constituent part. <laughs> so that's essentially... and that, That's really unique for... Any animal, and very unique for even worms in this family. Do you know the name of this process? It's called 
chemosynthesis. Chemosynthesis. Yes. So, which I did not write down. I knew off the top of my head. So it's not. It's like a third category, because it's not eating and it's not photosynthesis. It's chemosynthesis. Right, because it's not using the light from the sun to turn energy into like to make your own food. To, to make food, it's using and it's not bacteria. going out and getting food. It's taking chemical and tur- chemicals and using bacteria to turn it into food. Right, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, but the problem it's is self-sustaining. No, but it doesn't rely on foreign oils at all. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it don't it don't need no sun. But the problem is. You mentioned oh, a couple episodes ago about um, generalists and specialists. This is as specialized as it gets. Yeah. Without the sul- the hydrogen sulfides, the worm and its bacteria cannot exist. So um, thermal vents, they come and go as they please, as the tectonic plates deign. Apparently, they don't last that long. These 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 ecosystems that can be like like kilometers just disappear once the vent they, stops spewing. They disappear. But like you, the, the scientists have come, gone back to what used to be this thriving um, tube worm economy. Yeah. And then they come back and it's just empty husks. Yeah. Like all of the worms have have died. And from what I understand, the tube worm is like the the keystone species. A keystone species is a species that is the linchpin of a bunch of other species around it. So without that species, everything kind of crumbles. Yeah. So this is the most important species in these these colonies, uh, uh, these small ecosystems around these vents, which includes a type of mollusk. A crab. 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 That's insane to me. That a crab is down there? Yeah. Everybody likes chitin. Yeah. I'm imagining maybe these... these... I'm, I'm imagining a crab with a kite. And everybody loves Kitan. <laughs> His name is Kitan. <laughs> yeah. So I was ima- I'm imagining the their larvae are maybe pretty robust and they can find another vent. House. That was my question. It's like how it, it might be miles before there's another vent. It might be years before there's another vent or something like that. So how does one, when one colony shuts down, how does it make it to another colony? It's got to be those larvae. And when a new vent opens up, how does it? How do, How does the first one get there? It's interesting. Yeah. But because they live in the bottom of the ocean, like a lot of things that live at the bottom of the ocean, they're not that well studied. Yeah. But they don't go anywhere, which is nice. They were discovered in like 1977. Yeah, 70, 1977. That's... So basically the story was like, they went down in Alvin, the like little submarine, uh-huh. and they they were like, "Let's go study these thermal vents. It's probably pretty interesting." And they're like, "What are there? Th- why are there things here?" They're like, "Oh, oh that's disgusting!" It's <laughs> like the ground is carpeted in these giant seven foot stalks that are just swaying back and forth, and the tips are bloody feathers. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just like, "Wow, I'm impressed. I'm not even mad. I'm not, I'm not even mad." <laughs> They were probably absolutely <laughs> delighted. Yeah, to have discovered a species of animal. That lived dangerously. But man, I'd, I would not want to be in any kind of machine down at the bottom of the ocean in 1977. Yeah, seriously. Although I guess it would be just as dangerous to go up into a machine in space in 1969. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's all I got. Me too. 
So for all you out there, wrap yourself in some chitin, snuggle up to a nice geothermal vent, and wave your plume in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> in life, death, and taxonomy. is a beautiful place. I just wish we had something better than this old-timey bathysphere to protect us from the crushing pressure of the abyss and the boiling lava from that thermal vent. Mm, yeah. And something to protect me from that weird shape that's swimming towards us. Wait, is that... fur? <gasps> Vespasian! What are you doing here? Your soft monkey skin and your simple mind aren't built to weather the pressures of undersea life. Wait, he's writing something on our tiny bathysphere porthole. Oh, he's looking for people to subscribe and review Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Wait, there's more. He wants more people to join our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at LD Taxonomy. Man, he's writing a lot on our tiny window. Looks like he wants in now. No, Vespasian, there's no room for you in here. We're crammed enough as it is. You'll have to look for reviews somewhere else. Ooh, he didn't like that. He's angry! Beam us up! Beam us up! This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit braintrustbros.com. <laughs> That was dumb. Why do we have memes? <laughs>